You are listening to Danny on What The Heck Podcast. This is the place where I share my experience, knowledge and skills. And now I'm going to get you to pronounce your name because I can't do it very well because we have a common, uh, some common interests that people will find out about in a minute. So what's your name? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Joe McClelland Phillips. Excellent. That made my life easier. So thank you very much. Uh, so Joe's come along today to answer 12 questions with myself, and I'm looking forward to this. So the first one is a real simple question, I hope. It's, who is your hero? Oh, golly. Um, I have several, but um, I think probably the, the woman I go back to the most is Margaret Atwood, who's a Canadian author. She, um, she wrote um, A Handmaid's Tale, which a lot of people know because of the TV show. But... Um, we study her in school and I actually started off hating her in high school. And wow. then I came back to her as an adult and realized how brilliant she is. And beyond her, her writing, which is sensational. I just love her works with um, the environment and women's rights and being Canadian and from same part of Canada as myself. I really just enjoy her and love her. And um, I'm always taking notice of what she's doing. Because you're a Canadian and you're living in Australia. I am Canadian living in Australia. Yes. <laughs> it's a story in itself. I'll go straight into question number two. Uh, what makes you laugh the most? Oh, um, myself, actually. <laughs> I'm always laughing at myself um, in good and bad ways. So um, I tend to make jokes that no one else seems to get, which I think are hilarious. Um, and I make a lot of mistakes and I mess up a lot, which, um, when I was younger would make me really embarrassed and I'd get really self-conscious, but having met my husband who finds the joy and the humor in mistakes, he just, I'll say something that's upside down and backwards and he'll go, you, you just say that I'm like, yeah, I was kind of hoping you missed that one. I was kind of hoping that would just go, but it never does. He always hears it. And um, it's really taught me to laugh at myself. So yeah, probably me. It's <laughs> yeah, great. Because of dyslexia, I can value that as well. I think you've got to have a sense of humor when you, you, you think, well, that came out wrong and I got away with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do, I, but I never do with my husband. He always catches me up. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, right, so this one's uh, quite a good one. Um, what is your, sorry, what was your first job? Actually, ironically, my first job was a scribe. So in uni, um, I got a job writing notes for other kids who had learning disabilities and were struggling um, with taking notes in class. And I would use my note-taking skills to write notes and then photocopy them for them. And I got, I got paid for that. I think I got like eight dollars a class or something really pathetic <laughs> but um yeah that was my first job so it's kind of ironic that my first job was actually helping people who are neurologically divergent right and can you write or write can you read your own writing or find it yeah so um i i had a lot of help in high school and elementary school and my note-taking skills were quite good in in uni they're messier now. Nobody could read my notes now because my shorthand has, has gotten quite quick. But I'm very good. I would probably, if I were doing it now, I'd probably type it because I'm actually a faster typer than writer. But um, my shorthand got so um, synced that it got quite messy and hard to read. And it's almost like decoding because I, I don't use full words. But in uni, I was still writing quite neatly. And I knew how to pull the points out 
so I could keep up. So when yeah. I was, and it was actually the only time I actually took notes was when I was doing it for someone else. If you look at my notes from classes where I wasn't doing it for someone else, I was drawing pictures and not not doing anything useful at all. So it was actually quite helpful for me to actually have notes. (laughs) Yeah, when I read my own notes, I often will uh, find it hard uh, trying to get my flow of the conversation, you know, out of my notes. And it's it's quite annoying sometimes. I pity anyone that tried to read my notes because even I don't know what they are. So... (laughs) You have your own shorthand, um, which is really cool. What's the, your biggest complaint? Uh, now, you are self-employed at the moment? You, it's um, I'm self-employed. I'm also doing like a little side hustle um, as well at the moment, but hopefully that'll drop away soon. But yes, I, I have my own business. So what's your biggest complaint about your job is the question, but if you don't have a job, so what's the biggest complaint about what you're actually trying to do? Perhaps might be a better question. Um, well, I guess my biggest complaint is just, um, oh, I don't know. Um, I, I, I kind of want to be, I know where I'm going and I kind of want to be there already. So I get frustrated with myself because there's lots of little decoding little tasks between me and my ultimate goal. And, um, I'm, I'm, I've put a hard rule on myself that I can't hire a virtual assistant until I reach a certain numerical value and I haven't reached it yet so I'm trying to get to that goal so I can hire somebody do all the nitpicky tasks that I hate doing all the decoding and um the you know the stuff that's sort of outside of my comfort and genius zone and just um I want to hire someone to do that but I'm not letting myself so that's frustrating because I'm quite hard on myself and I don't let myself break my own rules I run a business networking company and I've got lots of different industries in the company and I always say to people that 40% of working for yourself is doing all your administration, your own marketing, and you have to do that regardless of what industry you're in. And I think that's yeah. the thing is when you get to that stage where you can take that part of, away from your business and then you can just focus on your cre- creative side, uh, I think that would be a, a joy. Uh, question number, yes. number two. See, what's the craziest thing you have ever done? So it could be something sporty or something crazy. Well, I, I guess it depends on your, your definition of crazy. Uh, I moved from Canada to Australia. <laughs> I don't think that's crazy. Um, I swam with um, stingrays. Uh, that's pretty cool. In, in the Cayman Islands. Um, yeah. So uh, this was before Irwin, Irwin was uh, killed. So, um, but yeah, it, I went and swam with stingrays. They, it's like, um, they have very soft fur, like underwater, like a, like a, a kitten it's really soft all right and you can actually um, rub them and they they like it or they're quite willing yeah to yeah well these were these were um ones that you we we brought them buckets of calamari and there was a, a boat that took people out there regularly so they were quite tame um yeah. because they were used to people coming out and touching them and bringing them food i had one i i was silly and i didn't take my rings off and i had one try to suck my ring off my finger but he didn't <laughs> <laughs> but he got my finger and he just like, like that <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> um, which was a little strange people wear sunglasses and go to the zoo and play with the monkeys <laughs> yeah that happens a lot um what about school okay so you went to school similar to me dyslexic so what was your favorite subject at school which is quite a good fitting question <laughs> art i loved art um yeah. um english was frustrating because I never got to do what I wanted to do in English. I love English, 
but um, they were, you know, I, I very rarely was reading a book I wanted to read or writing what I wanted to write. Um, I, in like year eight, nine, we got to do a lot of creative writing, but as I went on, it was a lot more essays and, and book yeah. reports and that sort of thing, which I, wasn't quite as fun. So, um, but art, you know, we were given a lot more free reign and I like to do what I want to do. So That's I like good. art. Okay, aside from necessities, what's one thing you couldn't go a day without? You can't say coffee. <laughs> Diet Coke. Really? Um, yeah, I am I am a Diet Coke junkie. Um, and yeah, there's always Diet Coke in my house and I'm, I'm horrible. We're going away this weekend and I'll, I'll pack Diet Coke wow. to make sure that I've got some. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure of the year, but I think it was 1998 that Coca-Cola made enough Coca-Cola to keep the Niagara Falls running for three minutes. And, I and I, we, um, Helen, my partner, and I would watch um, The Chase, and I think they said um, uh, 200 million or billion bottles of Coca-Cola are drunk each day or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, how about that? You're feeding the economy. Okay, so what more are you wanting out of your business right now? Um, more kids to help. Um, just... I know the struggles that they're facing and I know how hard it is and, and sad it is and how, how broken and wrong they feel. And cause I was that kid and I know that a lot of them are not telling anybody, um, which is why I'm, I'm talking to parents and carers and, and, and people who care about these kids to talk to them and how to bring them out of their shell and to get them to verbalize what actually they're feeling and thinking, not just about reading, but about life. Because if, if they know what's going on inside their little heads, then they can start to help them and I can help them help them, which is, which is huge. Um, my mom is always is telling me, oh, why didn't you tell me, you know, that happened to you or you felt like that, or why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, and my mom and I had a good relationship, but didn't tell her because I didn't tell anybody I think I thought I was scared I would I I think I just thought I was wrong and broken I was scared people would find out and be angry with me and I always thought if I just tried harder I could like stop being dyslexic which no, you can't doesn't work now if I was keep, um, there's a guy called Cameron who's probably gonna, hopefully going to be on my podcast but I watched a TED talk of his and he he said why did parents get their children to learn stuff they suck at and um, I thought it was so cool. And I think um, the school system to me was always teaching me how to do stuff, but I keep failing. So I just left school thinking I was stupid. And I often think, you know, they realized I had a passion for photography, then give me a camera and, you know, do stuff like that and let me figure out how to make money out of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, my mom said, my mom's a teacher and she says, school is the only time in your life you're expected to be good at everything. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Um, what three items would you take with you on a desert island? Well, Diet Coke. And pen and paper. Pen and paper. Diet Coke, pen and paper. Pen and paper, you need one more because pen and paper sort of go together. Oh, you'll let me have one more. Okay. Um, I should probably take water or something <laughs> like healthy. Um, no, um, in, 
a tent. I, okay. I'm not much of a camper. And the idea of having to sleep on the sand under the sun sounds really bad. <laughs> so <laughs> if I've got one more thing, I think I'll take a tent. So at least I've got some kind of shelter. Yeah, that's a little bad. Okay, so if you had a warning label, what would your one say? Oof. Um, I don't know. Um, don't tell caution me makes bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say that. Uh, caution, joke maker. Joke maker. <laughs> Okay, so do you do you dislike or like surprises? So I love surprises. You do? I yeah. love surprises. Um, my daughter is really bad at keeping secrets, and um, constantly, like, she'll tell me, "Oh, mommy, I want to get you, you know, this for your birthday." And I'm like, well, "Don't tell me till my birthday." Like, just mm. I lo like I I I love a surprise. If if so, there's something I want. And I'm like hoping for, I'll just buy it for myself. I just, I love getting something that's a surprise or going somewhere that's a surprise and, and trying new things and doing new things. And um, I love that. It's a really wonderful, it's an experience in and of itself, which is almost better than getting something you wanted. Or yeah, I buy a lot of stuff want. on AliExpress simply because I like it when the courier, hear the courier at the door, oh, what is it? Oh, it's here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't wait. Wait a <laughs> you forgot what you bought. Yeah, the last thing I bought, I think it's I'm sitting on here. It is here actually. I've, um, um, this gadget here um, for those who are on the podcast won't be able to see, but you put it in front of your TV and you can talk, program it on your cell phone. And and I was so excited at the time when I bought it, I still haven't even plugged in to use it. Just got it sitting here looking at me thinking. But I, the whole idea of purchasing and having on the doorstep was so exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right, here you go. Here's a funny one. Now, I've never read a book in my life um, uh, the way uh, most people would. But what is your favourite book that you like to read? You said, we talked earlier and you said that you have read quite a lot of books. Yeah, um, I'm a slow reader, obviously. Um, and But my mom, when I was learning to read, um, my mom uh, had some really good advice, which was don't, like, as I was reading aloud to her, don't stop her if she gets the word wrong. Um, so if it's, if it's, um, two words that are similar, that, that have a similar sound to them, if it has a similar meaning, it won't even matter. I'll just keep going. If it confuses me because I've kind of come up with, I can't think of any examples right now. Um, so like, um, keep the flow of the reading going. Yeah. Than, yeah. Like, like to get, just let, let me have the flow. So, um, I, I, and I've done that where I've, I'll be reading to myself and I'll realize that I missed something completely. I'm like, when did, when did that person arrive? <laughs> well, there's like somebody talking here and I have to go back like five or six pages in the novel to find where this person showed up. Cause they're like starting to talk. And I'm like, I didn't know they were there. Where are they come from? And um, so that happens. And I'm a really slow reader that way. But the book I always go back to that I have read the most is, um, uh, through the Looking Glass and what Alice finds there, sequel to Alice in Wonderland. I pick it, I pick them both up. The second one I like better. Um, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little more about Alice discovering something about herself, whereas the first one is Alice discovering this world, which is really cool. 
Um, yep. But Alice has a journey in Looking Glass Land to become a, for go from a pawn to a queen, which I really enjoy that journey that she has. And wow. um, I, I'll pick it, I'll pick it up, and I'll just read little sections of it because I'm like, what was that? What would, what did the Mad Hatter say, or what did that happen? And I'll pick it up and I'll read it, and then I'll mm -hmm. find myself I'll just like read like four chapters while instead of going back to whatever I was doing, just there on the floor reading the book. I just love it. <laughs> I went. Um, I go to a speakers group once a month, and we had a guy read a book. He's got ADHD. This guy, and he read the, uh, the book Winnie the Pooh, and the it was everyone was listening to the point where he thought they didn't like his reading because um, they were so quiet, but were also intrigued with it. And his mannerisms. He walked up and down. He had the book here, and and it got to the point where I said, "You could actually video there to make it a." a series of um, reading to children. It was just so yeah. well written. And uh, I said to him, I'd love to be able to read a book like that because I'd get the joy out of it. Um, yeah, so it's something I've missed, certainly. Hey, you've answered my 12 questions, so thank you for that. So it's an opportunity here for you to um, say to our listeners um, who you are and what you're trying to do at the moment. I know you're starting a new venture at the moment. Um, yes, yes. So, um, yeah, so um, I have uh, a business called everystorymystory.com where we help children write their own books. But we're starting a new project, which is a course called the Dyslexia Discovery Project. It's a bit of a tongue twister. I probably should have thought that before I named it. Um, but yeah, the Dyslexia Discovery Project where we help parents of children who have been diagnosed or they suspect have dyslexia to connect with their kid, help them write their own story. And um and use that to get them excited about reading and stories, but also to connect with their child and develop some skills in dealing with the obstacles that dyslexic kids are going to face. Um, so they build the foundation so that the next challenge that comes up, they'll know how to handle it. So when you say write and your own story, so do you mean physically write their own story? Or physically write their own story. Yeah. So um, how I learned to read eventually, I was 10 years old, was I sat down and I created my own magazine. I did it over summer holidays, which in Ontario is two months. Yep. So I spent two months at the dining room table, cutting out um, little articles, writing little articles, calling my aunties and interviewing them, drawing pictures, um, cutting out pictures for magazines. And I had a magazine like a, it was about this thick, but yeah. you know, with paper, with pasted on it and that's about this thick that I created called Panda Bear Magazine by the end of the summer and at you know the year before I was reading early readers and struggling and the next year I was reading chapter books and that's how I that's how I went from readers to chapter books so that's the that's the idea of take the these kids on that journey to wherever they are in reading to up their reading skills and writing skills in a sneaky way because we're we're just going to make it a fun activity that is actually more about connecting with an adult in their life who can be an ally and a support system as they deal with these challenges. Because my philosophy is you are, um, you are dyslexic. You can't get over being dyslexia, dyslexic, but you have all these great skills as a dyslexic because you see the big picture and you have these creative ideas. And, but the world is designed for the neurologically typical person who um, is a little more balanced and can decode to a certain degree better than you can. So you're gonna come up against these decoding str struggles like reading or spelling or reading music or um, some social inter interactions, sarcasm, that sort of thing are difficult. Um, 
and you'll come up against these and it'll be frustrating. And um, instead of feeling wrong or broken, just go, no, this is one thing that you just need to learn and overcome and you're going to struggle with. But once you get it, you'll get it. And then the, this wonderful extra thing that you have, this creativity, this big picture thinking, you will still have and be able to bring to the world. So if you can just overcome this one little struggle, you've got this amazing other thing that I you can bring with you. When you're young, I think that the bridge between um, being able to learn and retain the information, because I think that's what I get with dyslexia. It literally, I was looking at a support code number just before you come on the show, and I had to copy uh, B92341, but I can go B9, and I'll go back and post it over here, flip back to the screen, get the next two letters, go back, post them, and I just yeah. slowly get the words over, and it's so frustrating. So when they were trying to teach me at school, I weren't really interested in it. But then when, uh, and so, but the, there was a slight gap there where they did teach me some stuff that I got to move forward on, but I just couldn't, I wouldn't, like I say to people now, I don't want to be arrogant, but I'm not interested in reading and writing at all. But when mm -hmm. technology came along, I thought I got a digital diary and um, I tried to figure out how to use it. And I was copying people's names into it. And then I thought I have a database in there. And then I could save the information here and I found a way of keeping the information and finding it when I needed it. And then I was interested in technology and then I'm away, everything technology I'm into. But when it yeah. comes to reading and writing, to be honest, I've never really been interested in it. And mm -hmm. I think that's what you, you're saying there is you're trying to sneakily get them interested in it and find it actually, this is quite good. Um, maybe like yeah. audio books have been great. You know, mm -hmm. I listen to an audio book and I can go to it people who used to go to a movie and they'd come out, they'd say, I think the book was better. I could never comprehend that. But when, when I um, listened to my first audio book, which was Anthony Kiedis from uh, autobiography on the red hot chili peppers, I, I, I found that book fascinating and it got me into listening to these books. So it's a tricky way of. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And actually I'm, I'm a big advocate for audiobooks and actually an advocate for long form television and movies as well. I think anytime you're getting a story or information, if it's a documentary or something like that, anytime you're getting that is a, is a value. And um, I'm not adverse to however that comes in. Um, as a neurologically divergent person, sometimes your, um, your way of accessing the world is more technological or video or audio or whatever. And that is valid and that is wonderful and that is beautiful. And that's who you are. And you don't have to feel bad because you don't want to open a crack open a book and read it. Um, you don't have to feel bad about that at all, but there's a certain level of reading that we all need to have to function in society. You need to be able to read a sign or a stop sign or a, um, a contract. You need to be able to read these things. So um, basically, I want to take this fear out of it. Yeah. So it, um, a lot of kids who are struggling with it, as soon as you say they have to read something, they go, no, 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 I can't. No, no, I can't do that. So if they're a published writer, if they've written a book, they're not going to be scared anymore of yeah. reading and writing. I did that. I can do that. I've written a book. Adults haven't written a book. I've done it, you know, <laughs> so they're not going to be so scared. And you get them doing it by doing something they're interested in and writing about something they actually want to write about, not just, you know, get them to do spelling tests or something like that's the whole kind of model. Thing. I went to the chiropractor the other day and uh, told him about my back and he thought he'd get a book and show me a diagram of the muscles in my back. 
And then he pulled out this book and I thought, oh no, he's going to ask me to take this home and read it. And then uh, he just threw a couple of pictures and showed me that in the book and then went back there a week later and he came back with the same book. And I thought, oh no, because it's all brand new. It looked like he wanted me to buy it. And I said, look, mate, I said, um, I said, unless it's got pictures, I'm not going to read it. I've never read a book in my life. And I said, I'm dyslexic. And he said, so am I. And I said, that's why I've got this book, because it's got pictures all the way through it, and it's got some really great diagrams. And I just had to laugh, <laughs> because my big fear was him asking me to read the book. You know, but then he was the same, you know. And I said, how can you be a chiropractor? Because you would have had to do all the exams. You would have found that hard. And he said, oh, yeah, I did, I did, but I managed to pass them, you know, and now he can yeah. be a professional. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is um, it's a different way of thinking. And the only reason it's a we're talking about it is because society was built for a certain way of thinking, which is sort of middle of the road. So if you've got autism on this side, which is basic decoding and they struggle with big picture and you've got dyslexics on this side and they do the big picture. Right. And in the middle, you've got um, the sort of balance of those two things that is where society has been built. So if you're really far this way or you're really far this way, that's hard for you mm. because that's a long way to go. If you're sort of closer to it, then you're sort of middle of the road and it's, it's easier for you. That's all it is. So um, when you're talking about a dyslexic person, decoding is hard. So you just have to take the, take the decoding and figure out how to get around it. How to, sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to cheat it. Sometimes you, you can just avoid it altogether um, by doing, see, I have trouble with audiobooks because mm. I have trouble focusing because I'm also ADHD and um, I like to have something visual and yeah. um, I love the zoom calls because yeah. I used to struggle with the telephone because I'd make a call to my mom and I couldn't talk to her because I'd be like, Ooh, look pretty. And I'd be like looking at other things. And Joanne, are you still there? No, yeah. <laughs> not at all. Um, but now I've got something to look at. So I'm more focused. Yeah. And when and we went into lockdown, I had 60 people in a Zoom meeting. And my mind is looking at all the people and what they're doing, who's focused, who's engaged. And I'm thinking we're all different, aren't we? But we all, we all want some of the things. So it is how we absorb that information. Hey, th thanks for coming along today. We'll uh, round it up. So um, how, how do people find you if they want to contact you? Um, have you got a website address or? Um, yeah, absolutely. I've got a website address. But right now, um, probably the, the best way to find out and really engage with a, a online community would be joining uh, Growing Up Together. Uh, it's a Facebook group we've just launched um, on Facebook. Um, the It's uh, Facebook backslash um Growing up, uh, growing up together, neurodivergent, right. and yeah, so that's probably the best, the best way. Yep, I'll, I'll put notes in the show. We use a, a wonderful, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to make us. Uh, that's a bit of decoding that I haven't worked out yet. I'm trying to make that an easier URL, but I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it. I can help you with that. Buy a domain name, redirect it to that place. Simple. simple. Wonderful. Thanks. <laughs> but I'll put the notes at the bottom of the show so people can find it and um, awesome but thank you for coming along I uh, really enjoyed having you along I love uh, you thank I you very much it's fun a first dyslexic person I think I've interviewed actually in uh, uh, yeah oh. so there you go so uh, it didn't go too bad so very good well thanks for coming along <laughs>